Aiden, if you could report to the sound booth, please. Merry Christmas and welcome to New Hope, where lives are changed and miracles happen. Celebrate Recovery is every Monday night at 7 o'clock for anyone with a hang-up, hurt, or habit. Women of Faith Bible Study is every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock at 2922 Dust Avenue. And we have our weekly Bible study Wednesday night at 7 o'clock in the Green Room. The Christmas play practice is on Saturdays for all ages from 3 to 5. Don't forget to get Candyland tickets for your kids for December 16th. Now let's get ready to worship. All right, could we all stand to our feet, New Hope? Welcome to New Hope. This is a place where lives are changed and miracles happen. So good to be with you today. I hope you came here expecting for great things to happen. This is going to be your day. Amen. Amen. Let's just lift our hands to heaven. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus, the name that is above every name. Lord, we thank you for this day. We know that this day is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. Lord, have your way here. Have your way with me. Have your way in our hearts and our lives, Lord. Change what needs to be changed, Lord. Build up what needs to be built up. Strengthen what needs to be strengthened. Lord, we just thank you, we praise you, and we honor you. We give you glory today in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.
shout of praise.
world will try to label us or portray us as, we know who we belong to. We know who we are. We know who our identity is as sons and daughters of this most high who sent his son to die for us because he loves us so much. That is who we are. That is who we are. And that, that is who our father is. And that is our father. So we should rejoice. We should be glad. We should praise that we have a father who calls us his no matter what we do. That he always loves us with an unconditional, unchanging, forever kind of love. And that's the kind of love that I want. And that's the kind of love that you have. Don't forget that. Now the Lord is a spirit and it will set you free. You have the right to do anything, it won't be the thing. He has a purpose, a plan for us, so just let it be. He gives us words to speak, no need to worry, cause he's our
I just thank you and I praise you. I praise you for what you've done. I praise you for what you're about to do. Lord, I pray that 
I pray that as the children are released to their classrooms, Lord, I pray that their lives would be blessed and be touched just from their experience of being at this church. Lord, Lord, I pray that as they grow older and they even have their own children, that some of the best memories they have will be growing up in this church. Lord, I pray that they would follow your word, that they wouldn't deviate from it. Lord, I pray that they would, uh, they would take things farther than we ever could. Lord, I pray that you would bless their lives. I pray that you would anoint the teachers and the ministry workers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before you sit down, you want to shake somebody's hand. I don't want to take over, but can we stand here? Can we, can we stay in the presence? Can we just stay with and what God has something to do today, right? Can we, can, we, can we just give him honor what he's doing in this church today? Can we just give him honor? You know, God has been doing so much big things in my life, and I know he's doing something in your life. So let's give him thanks, right? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you have not been seeing what's going on on the worship team and with people, God has been raising people up in this church to do things and to lead things. And God has been doing things in order for us to push forward and press forward. So we got to step on his word. We have to. We have to step on his word. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we got to step on his word. Stand up and give our God some more praise. Thanks. Give us some more praise and give us Thanks. some more praise. Because we have a God. We have a God who's been giving God his honor all his life. And he has stepped out of comfort to do the things that we are going to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Trey, I'm going to need you for this one. Good morning, New Hope. Now, I just want to know who do you run to when you got no one else? Right? Okay. I lay awake in the bed with visions of being, praying the Lord save me, and then they chop off my Huh, I'd rather die than get the mark of the beast. And since I'm believing in Christ, now they targeting me. And if you believe in the Father, march harder with me. This the day of repentance. Grab your Bibles, handle your business. Burning sage, forget all that smoke, you need to get saved. Huh, it's a lot of things they don't want me to mention. Like if you living and sending, guess what, you ain't living. I was born again. So that means I had to start from scratch. I just came out the wall. And yeah, I got the scars to match. They say I don't act like a Christian because it ain't an act. I ain't the same bow you used to know that used to smoke. We see died and I guess you missed his funeral. And I'm back way better than I was. You don't recognize me because I'm covered in his blood. Trey. And who do you run to when there ain't nobody around for you to run to? Okay. Jesus, that's who you run to, Jesus, cause who do you run to when Winner. there ain't no. nobody around. around for you to run to, yeah, yeah. Jesus, that's who you run to, okay. Jesus. Now, when you run into Jesus, then you running from yourself. Because when you really got problems, he's the only one that help. When your heart feeling cold, he's the one that make it melt. When you dealing with that pain, he's the only one that felt. Now, can I get an amen? amen. I'm headed to the kingdom, this one way in. 
and no one sees the Father unless they go through the sun. And he's a God in light because he shines like the sun. He's the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. And he died for our sins so we could leave him in the past. Now who you gonna run to when there's no one else to run to? You need him and he wants you crucified on the crucifix. And he gave me the gift, so I'm using it. His word won't return void. The angels have been deployed. Prepare for Armageddon, and Satan will be destroyed. Trey. It's who you run to when there ain't nobody around. Yes. It's who you run to. Yes. Jesus. It's who you run to. Yes. Yes. Jesus. Everybody put one hand in the air for Jesus like this. Yes. 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 You're around. For you Run to Jesus. That's who you run to. Jesus. One more time, Trey. I just thank God for this opportunity because God has been doing so much things in our life. And if you can't realize that God is using so many people to reach so many different people. Using so many people to reach so many different people. And God has been using our worship team to step out and create people so that we can hit the streets and hit the word and continue to push and push and push and push. Evan has been doing a great job raising our youth up. I've never seen youth kids playing instruments like the way they do today. Tegan and Kyla on the drums, Rye on the drums, Dave on the bass, them guys are youth kids. Them guys have learned that in one week, week, what, like one week. And that's because of the teacher and the, and the things that God has put in his life so that he can pour out to these kids. Don't you guys get it? If we pour out into our kids, if we pour out into the younger ones, they're going to grow up to be unstoppable and unbeatable as long as we take that step. We can't be silent and we can't be quiet. If we want to change in this nation, it's going to start with the kids. And we got to start pouring in with the kids so that the kids can pour into us and so that we can all go together as one denied force and take over and conquer. Come on, guys, step up. And let's believe that God is going to do something in this church today. have your microphone off. Sorry, I was muted. See, that's what I get every time I yell at somebody, I'm wrong. We're going to continue in a spirit of praise with our offering. Ushers, make your way forward. Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 6. Verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We spent a few weeks talking about finances and financial breakthrough. We talked about seed time and harvest. And the Bible teaches not that you reap what you sow, but but God can take the seed that you sow and multiply it. You don't always reap where you sow. You know, Ken came in and decided to give extra money for the Afghan, and he reaped through his mortgage company. You know, you never know. Um, I don't know, I don't, Natalie, you know, she, she decided to take a, a, a box of food to a family that was hurting and struggling, and then, her boss ended up putting new tires on her car. The thing is, is that God has a million ways that he can bless you. 
but his way of blessing is to step out in faith. And sometimes we, we, we pray, Lord, I, I, need, I need finances. I need to get blessed. I need to get blessed. And the Bible says, give, and it will be given to you. So step out in faith. Trust the Lord. He's never going to let you down. Lord, I just thank you for, thanks for everything that you've done, the people, the gifts, the talents. Lord, I thank you for the gifts and the talents that are sitting uh, in this uh, in this sanctuary today, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for uh, all the people who give, Lord. I pray that you would bless their finances, Lord, that you would multiply every gift that's given, Lord, that you would multiply it a hundredfold in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That was quite the worship set. Amen. Brother Bo blessing us at the end. You know, it's like I, you know, I graduated in 1994 and kind of came up in the 90s and like, you know, hip hop was the thing. And, you know, it was just. You didn't think about it then, but I mean, it was so negative, you know, just about drugs and girls and, you know, how many people could you beat up and shoot and everything, you know, and you don't know you're, you're a kid, you're listening to it and, you know, it's the music, but you don't realize that, that those thoughts, those thinking, those words are getting into you, but then have it flip, have somebody, you know, with just as much talent as anybody out there, if not more where rappers got to use auto-tune for everything because they can't sing and they can't rap. But you got somebody like, you know, Bo that puts the word of God. Now the same people can listen to the same beats, but now it's the word of God. It's the seed bringing life, bringing hope, bringing peace, bringing salvation. It's just a beautiful thing. It's just a beautiful thing. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Acts chapter 1. That's where we're going to begin today, Acts chapter 1. I'm going to begin at verse 2 just because verse 1 is a bit of an introduction. If you're there, say amen. Just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus left instructions through the Holy Spirit for the apostles he had chosen. After the sufferings of his cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these same apostles over a 40-day period proving to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During these encounters, he taught them truths of God's kingdom. Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, but a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it now for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He answered, the Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and, he, and you will be seized with power. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea to the distant provinces, even to the remotest place of the earth. And my message for you today is the courage to win souls. Do you have the courage to win souls? If you could just bow your head, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, and I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that there was somebody that was courageous enough to 
to pray for me. And there was somebody that was courageous enough to share your word with me. Lord, so I pray that this would be a church of soul winners. I pray that this would be a church of people who uh, care about people enough to share your love with them. Lord, I thank you that we are your hands and feet. I thank you that we are your mouthpiece today here on the earth. Lord, I thank you that your hands are our hands and your feet are our feet. Lord, so I just pray that you would just bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. I was looking uh, up a lot of uh, different stuff about missions and missionaries, and I came upon a story that I haven't been able to get out of my head. And there was a story in 1956 in Life magazine, and it was an article about a missionary by the name of Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was raised in uh, Oregon and uh, gave his life to Christ at a young age, went to Bible college, and felt called to go reach unreached people groups of the world. And he ended up with his family, moving his entire family down to Ecuador. And he got down to Ecuador and he began learning Spanish, um, doing the things that he needed to do to try to exist and live in that environment. But I mean, he, he was all in. I mean, he was moved down there. He was living down there. And they were having success reaching, uh, at that time, much of the, the jungle was split up and people were in kind of different tribes. And uh, they were having a lot of luck reaching the one tribe. They were winning people to Christ and uh, trying to get Bibles printed in their language. But there was one particular tribe called the Aka tribe, and nobody really had had any luck in reaching them. People really didn't even understand their language. They were so isolated from uh, the rest of the world, and they were, they were like in the Stone Ages. That's how they described, like these guys were literally, you know, running around in the woods naked, like in the jungles. Like that's how far back they were. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I'm out in the woods somewhere and I see people running around naked, I'm getting out of Dodge. But that's just me. But, you know, he was just like, hey, you know, this is what, you know, this is what I I'm called to do. I really want to reach these people. But another problem was, is not only were they like Stone Age people, and not only were they, um, they, they didn't have a handle on the language, but the people were also extremely violent. And they were violent to all of the outsiders. And uh, basically, um, there was, in the 40s, there was people from BP Oil that went there and they discovered oil. And this tribe had literally killed all the workers to the point where they just shut everything down. Like, that's how violent they were. They were violent to the other tribes. And he really felt like God is calling me to reach these people. So they put together a team. He had about five people in his team. And one of the people was a, a pilot, was a missions pilot. And they had this small little plane. And so they figured it wasn't smart to just kind of run in there. But they figured what we'll do is we'll fly our plane. And the pilot had a way that he could go around in a circle. And they would just drop a rope with a basket. And they were dropping off different gifts. So they would fly around. Uh, around where they knew that they were at, and then a bunch of them would come out of the jungle, 
and they would lower a basket, and they would put different gifts, different things for them, and the people would come and take it, and they, they, they did this for several weeks. Every once in a while, every couple days, they would go out, do a, do a flight, drop a gift, and then it got to the point where, um, you know, the people were actually waving back at them, and then the people were actually bringing gifts out of their, their, their huts and their tents, and they were putting them back in the basket so that they would pull it up. So they said, well, you know what, maybe that's a sign that, you know, we can go and we can try to meet these people. They're friendly and they know we're friendly. And so um, they flew down and they kind of uh, established a little campground and they were camping there. And finally three people came out of the village. There was two, two women and a man. And they had a little bit of language. There was still that, that rough language barrier. They were trying to kind of communicate. And, you know, the missionaries were trying to be really nice. And they had an interaction that they thought was positive. But the three people went back. And they went back to their village. And they told, you know, the chief and everybody about what had happened. And all the, the warriors of this tribe decided that they were going to go kill the, the people that landed. And so... The, the missionaries are there, and then they see two more women come out of the woods. And, you know, they start waving to them, and the next thing you know, it's just a group of men running at them with spears. And they're trying to stop them, trying to... And, and here's the crazy thing about it. They all had guns. They all had guns with them, but they all made a, a decision that anybody who they didn't share Christ with, they weren't going to kill. And basically, long story short, all five of the missionaries were killed by that tribe on that island. And you would think that the story would kind of uh, end there, but there was this famous quote that Jim Elliott said when they looked in his journal. He said this, he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And what that means is that all he had here on this earth, all his material possessions, even his own life, he couldn't really hold on to them. They really weren't his. But, but if he gave up everything he had, then he would gain an eternal kingdom, which he could never lose. And so there was this big news article about it, that these missionaries gave up their lives and people were kind of weeping and crying that, you know, this had ended up in such a tragedy. But the man's wife, Elizabeth, stayed in country, had a daughter, was three years old. And even with all her grief, she said, Lord, if there's something that I can do to reach this tribe, I, I want to do it. And sure enough, as they were witnessing to this other tribe, they had been living kind of with this other tribe, there was two women from the Aka tribe that had left that began talking to her and she befriended them and they became Christians and then they asked her they said will you go back to our village with us now she was a widow she had a three-year-old child and her husband had been killed along with all his friends going to witness to this tribe and it seemed totally crazy but she knew that God was in it and so she ended up teaming up with another widow, the, the widow of the, the guy who was flying the plane. And they literally went back to the same place that their husbands were killed. And for the little girl that their father was killed, 
and they walked into the land uh, with these other two women. And as soon as they walked in and they told the people what had happened, the leader of the tribe said, there'll be no more bloodshed. And that woman, Elizabeth Elliot, with her three-year-old child and uh, another woman by the name of Rachel, they literally stood there and stayed there for two years. Lived there, one about the whole tribe to Christ. And so, you know, it, it was like they laid down their life, but that whole tribe got one to Jesus Christ. And that goes on Jim Elliott's account. You want to talk about courage. You want to talk about courage to say that you're going to go to the jungle and that you're going to go to the same place where your husband was killed, taking a three-year-old child. Most people would say that's totally irresponsible. But I keep saying it. We don't serve a reasonable God. Amen? We, we serve a God who does unreasonable and amazing things through his people. If you go back to that scripture that we started off reading, uh, in uh, verse, let me see, verse, I need uh, glasses maybe. Um, it says that, I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power and you will be my messengers to Jerusalem. In the New King James it says, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem. But if you take that word in the Greek, it's the same word that we get the word martyr from. You will be my martyrs. But it doesn't just mean that it's a message that like all of us are going to have to do that same thing. And all of us are going to have to die for the gospel. But what it does mean is the gospel message should be so important to each and every one of us that we would be willing to die for that message. That's, that's, that's what the word says. And... and our starting point, if we're going to talk about the courage to, to win souls, to win people to Christ, we need to believe so much in what Jesus has done for us that, that, that we have a burning desire in our heart to share it with others. The Bible says, have an answer for the hope that lies inside of you. Do you, are you excited about what the Lord has done in your life? Are you so excited about what Jesus has done for you? And do you understand what he has done for you in a way that it gives you a burning desire that you want to share that message with the whole world? Amen. I hope so. But why is this message so important that it would be worth giving your life for it? Number one, because Jesus commanded you to share the gospel. You know, there's, there's a lot of times that, you know, we say, okay, well, why should I do this? And, and we need to have this sort of reward tied at the end of a stick. But you know what? My dad had a saying that he used to tell me. I'd say, dad, why do I have to do that? He would say, because I told you so. Because I told you. I don't got to explain myself to you. I'm your dad, you're my son, I'm telling you to do this. Why do I have to do it? Because I told you so. And if you've given your life to Jesus, it says that he is your savior, but he is also your Lord. And do you really believe that Jesus is Lord of your life? And the problem that we have with, with, with American Christianity is that we think that the commandments of God are optional. 
well, I don't know if I want to do it or not. I mean, you know, hey, I love the fact that we're free and that we're independent in America, right? We came to America, the country was birthed, the king said, you're going to have to pay taxes, you're going to have to be on a king. We're like, we're not looking, we're, we're not listening to any king, we'll take your tea, we'll dump it in the river, like, we're not doing this, like, we'll fight you, like, we're not under any king. And then, you know, even like our president, like a president could tell us, to, no, nah, well, I'm not doing that. Right, our boss at work, I, I, I don't feel like doing that. I'm not doing that. But is Jesus truly your Lord? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what he said. And before, if you, you can look in the, in the gospel of Matthew, you can look in the gospel of Mark, you can look in the book of Acts. The last commandment that he gave was to go out and be witnesses. To go out and be witnesses, to preach the word. This isn't just for the preacher. This isn't just for some crusade evangelist. The mission of every Christian is to go out and share the word and make disciples. Every single person. And I'm blown away by the amount of Christians we have who have never shared the gospel with anyone. They're in the army of God, but they're in the secret service. Nobody really knows. Unless they saw him walking out of a church, that they were even a Christian. They keep them, if you had the cure for cancer, would you keep it a secret? Well, you know, I got the cure for cancer, but you know, I'm not going to tell anybody because I don't want anybody to get mad at me. No, you got a message that you should be willing to die for. Jesus said to go out to all the world. You know, the, the reason for Pentecost, the reason that we would be endued on with power is so that we have power to preach the gospel message. The, the purpose of Pentecost is to win souls to God, not to be a charismatic weirdo somewhere and, you know, rolling on the floor and having prophetic meetings. The reason for the power is so that we can win souls and populate heaven and depopulate hell. So the message is important for us to die for because, number one, our Lord commanded us to go out and preach the word. And number two, because the world is lost and desperately needs this message. The Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I, I read somewhere that the, the number one leading cause of death among teenagers is suicide. Because they have no hope. And, and, and unfortunately, and I'm not against counselors, and I'm not against medication, but we've taken counselors and medication and tried to put it in the place of Jesus. Counseling can help if you're sick and there's medication available that, that, that can help you. By, by all means, take it. I'm not uh, against those things, but there, there's no... There, there's no teacher, there's no counselor, there's no psychologist, there's no psychiatry. There's nothing that, that, that can replace a God-shaped hole inside of your heart. We're lost and in need of a Savior. People are confused. They don't know what's going on. They don't know if they're boys or girls or something in between. Like, that was a question that I thought was settled a long time ago. And now it's just confusion. But God is not the author of confusion. 
And people don't know how to live. They don't know what's true. They don't know what's a lie. They don't feel like they have anything to live for. But you got the message. And are you willing to go out and share the message? Do you have the courage to win souls? Are you going to leave people lost? That's why there's so much drug and alcohol addiction. Because people are trying to fill a hole in their heart. They're wounded. They're hurt from the things of life. And they need peace. And they need healing. And they need forgiveness. And there's only one place to get it. And there's only one way to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. There's not many ways to heaven. There's not many paths. There's one path. There's one way. His name is Jesus. And you've got to share the message. Another reason why it's worth giving your life for is because Jesus said that he'll be coming back after the gospel has been preached to the whole world. Everybody's like, you know what, we, you know, I, Jesus coming back soon, I see what's going on in Israel, I see this, I see that. Guess what, Jesus said, I'm coming back after the gospel has been preached to the whole world. Matthew 24 verse 14, the gospel will be preached into the end of the world, and then I shall come. You guys want Jesus to come back? You want to see the day? You want to see the world before the curse? You want to see the lion lay down with the lamb? You want to see people put weapons of war away and make war no more? You want to see a place of peace? You want to see a place of no more sorrow and no more tears? You want to see a place like the Garden of Eden? Then you got to go out and preach the word. They said that as of 2019, I couldn't find any stats for 2023, there's still about 7,000 unreached people groups. And about 82% of China is, is, is not evangelized. And then you throw in places like India, you throw in uh, places in the Middle East where the gospel has been kind of pushed out. So we got some work to do. But we need to start right at home. Amen? Number four, the reason why this message is so important is because of the blood of the unconverted. Do we really believe that there is a heaven and a hell? Do we really believe that if someone does not accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if they don't have their sins forgiven, that they will go into an eternal place with weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do we really believe that? That people are out in front of us, that people are all around us. And you're not promised another day and these people are going to hell. People that we love, people that we care about. People in our own families. People that we see every day, people that we work with. Do we really believe in the gospel message? Do we really believe what the Bible says? Because if we do, then that should create an urgency. Luke chapter 16, there's a, a rich man and, and it says that, that he's there in hell and he says, can you please send somebody to go to my family so that they never have to come here? And then in heaven it talks about that you know, there, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner 
that, that, that comes to repentance. So there, there's people in heaven saying, man, this is so awesome up here. You got to tell people so that they can, they can come up here. And the people are, are in hell saying, you got to send somebody so nobody else ever has to come down here. And I don't know if we believe that because if we did, there would be some urgency. And we would be more worried about somebody who's going to hell than if they're going to get mad at us and think that we're a Jesus freak. Well, you know, it's your workplace, you know, you can't really share Jesus. Who says? Come on. I, I mean, you got to do your job. You know, don't just try to think that you can just not do your job and listen to Christian music and preach to people all day. I mean, you got to go do your job, but if God opens that door, walk through it. You're allowed to share your faith. You're allowed to share your faith wherever you go. When I was uh, working as a mailman, I used to... I, have people out on the porch, I'd pray for them, I'd share the gospel with them. One time it got back to my boss, he said, you know, you can't be praying with people. I said, if they ask me for prayer, I'm going to pray for them. Fire me. Guess what, that was the last conversation. A lot of times what they do with Christians, it's just, it's all intimidation. It's all intimidation, you know, it's all intimidation. They say, well, you know, you can't talk about politics, you'll lose your 501c3 like no church has ever lost their 501c3 ever it's all intimidation that's all it really is and so don't be intimidated that you can't share the gospel somewhere people will tell you well you know you can't do that that's rude you know but it's like it's it's against my religion to not tell people about my religion you know I, it is it is against, if you're a Christian, it is against your religion to not tell people about your religion. Just so you know. The blood of the unconverted. I, I don't, you know, I don't want anybody I love, I don't want anybody in my family to go to hell. I don't. I don't. And, you know, there's a passage in the book of uh, Ezekiel and it talks about that, that, that he was placed as a watchman on the wall. And that if he sounded, you know, if the watchman sounds the trumpet and, and nobody listens and, and people attack, well, the people's blood aren't your, on your hands. Why? Because you, you were the watchman. You announced it. You said that the, that the enemy was coming. But it says that if you're quiet and you don't say anything and... and, and the enemy comes and kills all the people. Well, their blood is on your hands. And, and you, I mean, do you want to work side by side with somebody, laughing, having a good time, sharing your life, sharing the, the problems you have with them? And then one day they die and they go to hell and it's like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? The blood of the unconverted and... You know, we can pray for we can pray for people to get saved. But the reality of it is is that Jesus told us to preach the gospel. So we can pray that the spirit will go with us or or that God will send laborers into the harvest, but ultimately if we're just praying for people but we're not actually opening our mouth, then probably nobody's going to get saved. Amen. And you know, Trey talked a little bit about it, you know, I mean, we, it's still like really in the works, but, you know, we want to do some outreach and some crusades, like, you know, uh, and, and just 
try to bring people into Christ. Like, I mean, those things are good, you know, big outreaches, crusades, you know, all around the area, uh, missions trips are important, all those things. But um, the, the greatest way that the church grows is the same way that the church grew in, in the early days. One person shared with another person who got saved and then shared with another person and then that person shared with another person. And that's really how the church is going to grow. You know, I, I, um, a lot of us knew Kirk. Not all of us knew him. Some of us are new. But uh, Kirk was, uh, was a great guy and um, he went to be with the Lord just recently. But, you know, he, he was really passionate that after every church service that you would have an altar call of salvation. And, and it was like his most important thing. As a matter of fact, I mean, he left his last church because they weren't doing altar calls for salvation. And it was very important to him because for him, you know, to see somebody coming to the Lord was the greatest thing ever. I mean, he would, he would, you just see a smile on his face, he'd be jumping up, yeah, 80 years old, like, he would be so happy that, you know, that, that people came to the Lord. And I'm good with giving an altar call every week, but you guys got to meet me in the middle and actually bring some unsaved people to church, so that when I do the altar call, they actually get saved, amen? So you can't put it all on me, Say, well, Pastor Rick, you got to do more altar calls. Now nah, you got to go out and get more people to come to church, and then we'll do altar calls and we'll share in the crown together. Amen. So, how do you share the gospel message? I want to touch on something really quickly because a lot of people will say that, yeah, I want to share the gospel, I just don't know how to. And, and you'll think that, you know, you have to be a biblical scholar and you have to have every answer. And I'm here to tell you that. That you don't. You just got to have a heart of compassion and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have that one slide, Zeke, you can put it up there. Because I'm going to be covering a lot. And, um, and this is just one way. And, and I, I want to give you a way that, that can help you. But you got to make it your way. And also, like, you don't want to get it. Nobody wants to think that you're reading a script. And like going over a formula. But, but I want to give you a way that, that you can kind of uh, talk to people. And a lot of times, like at some point, you got to do kind of the break-in part of the conversation. You, you got to do the break-in part. And so there's a lot of ways to do that. But one of the ways is just to say to them something like this. Have you ever get, given much thought to spiritual matters? Or you can say something like, hey... You know, have you ever thought about God? Do you believe in God? Right? Just throw something out there. You're asking them a question. You're not just kind of telling them turn or burn, you know. Hey, by the way, repent, sinner, forever burn in hell. Like, that's probably, I mean, it might work, you know, depending on who you're talking to, but probably not. So you're breaking in, you're breaking in with a question, and you're saying like, hey, you know, have you ever thought about, like, spiritual things? Like, do you? you ever thought about God? And then just actually listen to what the other person, you know, has to say. Because it's going to give you insight. And then, like, you know, they might say something to you like, you know, well, you know, I, I know that there's something out there, you know, but I'm just not sure. You know, I'm, I'm agnostic, you know, I just, I know there's something out there, but I'm not sure. You know, there's something out there, there's some being out there, okay, 
Well, what would you say is the greatest person's spiritual need? See what they say. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, you know, I think that, you know, we just need to be good people and, you know, we need to be nice to people and stuff like that. Again, you're listening. You're not just rattling stuff off and trying to get the next conversation point. You're, you're, you're talking to them. And then once you give them a chance to answer, you know, you want to say, well, you know, I think that, you know, our greatest spiritual need is to be reconnected with God. And we do that through salvation. Do you have any idea of, you know, uh, have you ever thought about your own need of salvation? And, you know, again, you're, you're seeing what they say. But you're kind of taking them on this conversation. And then you just ask them, well, what do you think a person needs to do to be saved? And honestly, like most people think that, What's going to happen is like at the end of their life that like there's going to be some scales and like the good and the bad are going to be weighed out and hopefully like the scales go for the good and then like you get in. Like I thought that's how it worked. I mean, I you know, I grew up Catholic. I thought that that's how it worked. Like, okay, if I do enough good and my good outweighs the bad and then what they do is they find like the worst person, like the biggest moron that they know, and they say, well, I'm not like that guy, you know, or the like most wicked person, like, you know, oh, I don't do that, I don't do what he does, but like God's standard is perfection, so just listen to what they say, and, and then you just, at this point, when you ask them, like, what do you think a person needs to be do, do to be saved, and you've listened to them, say, hey, you know, you know, it's like, it's actually, it's actually pretty simple. Can I, can I share with you? And this is where kind of Romans Road comes in. If you've ever heard like the Romans Road, I'm going to give you an easier way to remember it. But, you know, if you want to mark down in your Bible, because some people will want to see it in the Bible. And, and really, if you look at the book of Romans, like Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, the first part of it. And then Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The other part of Romans 6.23 says the gift of righteousness is in Jesus Christ. And then Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, then you will be saved. So if somebody wants Bible proof, like that's where to go in your Bible. But if you want to remember the plan of salvation... I always tell people the easiest way is ABC. You have to admit you're a sinner. We're all, we're all sinners, right? You can admit you're a sinner. I've sinned. We've all sinned. And then B is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We know what Jesus did. He died in our place for our sins. He took your sins and my sins upon himself. And then C is confess. Confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. So you kind of share that, that, that gospel plan with them. And then before you get, they get a chance to kind of finish or, or to, to respond to anything with that, just say, hey, you know what, can I, can I pray for you real quick? Can I pray for you? I mean, most people will say yes. You know, <laughs> you get the occasional rude person or if they're full of demons, they might say no. But 
you know, just ask them. Just say, hey, look, you know, could, can I pray for you? And then just go ahead and pray for them and just say, you know, Lord, I thank you that you died on a cross in our life. Uh, you know, you gave your life for our sins. And, and Lord, just reveal yourself to this person. Show your love to this person in a tangible way, Lord. And I thank you that you're here with us. And don't say amen at that point. You're going you're gonna to want to say, in Jesus' name, amen. You're not ending it. And then just say, hey, while we're sitting here, we're praying and we have our heads bowed, do you think that, w would you like us to, to pray for your salvation? And then just go ahead and lead them in a sinner's prayer. You guys have saw it up here a million times. It doesn't have to be a specific formula. But you just want to lead them in a place of, of confession that they admit that they're a sinner, that they realize that Jesus is their Savior and that ask them to send the Holy Spirit to live within them and just confess that they're saved and that they're born again and that they're a follower of Jesus. And, you know, then after that, you know, the best you can do is just follow up with them. You know, don't walk away and ever leave them. Get their number. Invite them to church. Invite them to Bible study. And here's the thing. Don't get frustrated if you try to do this with somebody and they don't respond exactly the way that we talked about. Don't get frustrated if somebody kind of cuts the process off. and does. We don't, we're not here to get into an argument. You're not there to be God's lawyer. If somebody says, well, what about, you know, where did, uh, you know, where did Cain's wife come from? Or like bring some, one of these ridiculous arguments. You know what? I, I'm not here to be God's lawyer. You know, I just, you know, I gave my life to Jesus. I know what it did for me. I just wanted to, I just wanted to do the same thing for you. You don't have to worry about getting into an argument, but, but, but it is your job to share the gospel with them. And as you do it more and more, you'll get better at it. You'll get more comfortable with it. You'll, you'll understand how to do it. But if you've never done it, you have to do it to get started. You have to try. And the more you do it, and this is a, uh, the duty of every single Christian to do this. And as you do it, you'll begin to get better. And the thing is, is if you, you told them the truth, it's on them after that. And sometimes you plant a seed that you realize that down the road. I can remember being at Fred's Divot Bar in Ambridge drinking. And a dude was sitting next to me drinking a Diet Pepsi. Sharing the gospel with me. Telling me that I was going to get saved. And I can remember I literally threatened him. And was like, dude, you are killing my buzz here. And I don't want to talk about this right now. But guess what? I couldn't get it out of my head. You know? There was a seed that was planted there. So, like, he's probably thinking, like, okay, like, all right, that didn't work out. Like, I got threatened. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to go to the barn. I'm going to witness to people. Win them to Christ. First guy, me, sits down next to me. and I get, I'm going to beat you up, dude, if you don't shut up. I'm trying to drink. You know, <laughs> but guess what? Here I am today. And all those years ago, somebody cared enough about me to share the gospel with me when I was a drunk, sitting at the bar, didn't want anything to do with God. And he shared the Lord with me. And the thing is, is that, you know, don't worry. It's going to take courage to overcome a negative response. 
to have some, you know, I had somebody at a laundromat one time. It was my old neighbor. I was at the laundromat, and I was washing some things, and he's like, yeah, how'd you get into all this Christian stuff anyway? And I started to share my testimony with him, and, and I said, you know, like, where are you at with all this stuff, man? Have you ever given your life to Jesus? He's like, what? You're pushing your religion on me. I'm like, you asked. You asked a question, dude. You're the one who asked me. And like literally like yelling at me in the laundromat. That's rude. You're pushing your religion on me. I don't want you to go to hell, man. That's all. You know, I love you. You know, but it's going to take courage to overcome a negative response. And here's what fear will tell you. Well, what if they don't respond to you? What if they don't listen? What if they cuss you out? What if they think you're weird? But faith says, what if they do accept Jesus? What if they say yes? And, and, and what, if, what if all their problems are broken in the name of Jesus? What if they're addicted and, and they're set free from addiction? What if their marriage gets healed? What if their family gets healed? What if the rest of their family gets saved? What if they get on fire for the Lord and become an evangelist? And what if a whole bunch of people get saved because they got saved? What if that happens? Can I tell you something? If you've never led someone to salvation before, and most people in the church haven't, but you're missing one of the greatest blessings that you can have in your life. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, when somebody responds in that way and you pray with them, I mean, you're going to be on a high that no drug in the world could ever, could ever match. There's no high like the most high. Amen. You're missing a great blessing. You're missing a great blessing of, of seeing people come to heaven. Of knowing that there's a party that kicked off in heaven. Because that, 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 that one sinner came to repentance. That one sinner gave their life to Christ. And the joy of that is that connection you made with them. You'll share that for all of eternity. All of eternity. Imagine, you know, going to heaven one day and seeing the people that you shared Jesus with that, that accepted Jesus because you shared with them. And they said, you know what, I, I just want to thank you so much because you shared the gospel with me and, and, and I got saved and, and now I'm in heaven and I shared the gospel and now my whole family's in heaven. And I have you to thank for it. What an amazing thing. The ripple effect that, that, that it can have, you know, on the world. It's like, you know, we see guys like Billy Graham and, and Reinhard Bonnke and like T.L. Osborne that led all these people to Christ. Who led them to Christ? We don't really know, right? How do you know that the next person that you lead to Christ might not be the next Billy Graham? Might not be the next Reinhard Bonnke? Might not be the next T.L. Osborne? You don't. You don't, but you'll get to share in that reward. And, and I, I know that I shared a way to share the gospel with you. Because I want to give you somewhere to start. But we need to trust and listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't make it into a formula. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You don't travel alone. We're co-laborers with Christ. Jesus said that before his disciples were to go out and preach the gospel, that they were to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
that they were to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit to do the works that Jesus did. To be witnesses, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know if I, I really want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That seems kind of weird. Like, I seen, you know, one guy was speaking in tongues, and that's weird. I don't want any part of that. You know what? Do you want to win people to the Lord? And maybe you haven't won anybody to the Lord because you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. You shut yourself off to it. Jesus said that you're not going to do this with your own strength. He said, wait, you're going to need the promise of my Father. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power, miracle, wonder-working power. And then you will be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So I'm going to read one more passage and then we're going to close. And today, I want to pray for you two things. Number one, that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. And number two, that God gives us all the strength to preach courageously and he verifies that words with signs and wonders. We're just going to close Acts chapter 4 very quickly. Verse 23 is where we're going to be at. So we left with Jesus getting ready to ascend to be with the Father and telling them they need to wait in Jerusalem to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We know Acts chapter 2, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. The day the law was given, 3,000 people died. But on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved through the preaching of Peter. And now in Acts chapter 4, persecution has arrived. And the disciples are being persecuted. People are coming against them. And these are the same people that crucified Jesus. So they really weren't playing games. Verse 23. As soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and explained all that had happened with the high priest and elders. When the believers heard the report, they raised their voices in unity and prayed, Lord Yahweh, you are the Lord of all. You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that is in them. And you spoke by the Holy Spirit through your servant David, our forefather, saying, how dare the nations plan a rebellion, ranting and raging against the Lord Most High. Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the kings of the earth take their stand with the rulers scheming, and conspiring together against God and his anointed Messiah. Verse 27, in fact, Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Jews and non-Jews, met together to take their stand against your holy servant, Jesus the Messiah. You notice that they said that they didn't make their stand against us, they made their stand against you. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. So when somebody comes against the church, they're not coming against you, they're coming against Jesus himself. They did to him all that your purpose and will had determined, according to the destiny you had marked out for him. Verse 29, so now Lord, listen to their threats to harm us, empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely. And courageously, 
Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. And it says that as they prayed, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. All the believers were in one mind and one heart. Selfishness was not part of their community. For they shared everything they had with one another. And the apostles gave powerful testimony about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great measures of grace rested upon them all. They prayed that they would speak the word of God freely and courageously. No matter what the government did. No matter, you know, there, there's governments now, there's government powers that, 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 that want to get rid of the church and institute a one world religion. But it doesn't matter. We will never bow to any other religion. It doesn't matter. We will speak the word freely and courageously. Even if the laws say that, that, that we can't preach anymore, we will do what God said and we will reject what man said. We will preach the word of God freely and courageously could we all stand to our feet it says that the apostles at that time they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the whole place shook they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and then they were filled again with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 4 and so there's going to be two kinds of people here tonight or this morning, sorry, we're not tonight yet. I haven't been preaching that long yet. Might be tonight pretty soon if I don't shut up. There's going to be those, you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is I gave my life to Jesus and, and I'm saved and you have the Holy Spirit, you have regeneration. But there's another experience called the baptism of power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what John the Baptist was talking about. He said, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me that will baptize with the Holy Spirit in fire. And I'm going to believe that you're going to raise hands, and as I pray, you're going to be filled with the Spirit right where you're at. And there's going to be those of us that we have been filled with the Spirit, but we're dry. We're dry. And we used to move in the things of the Spirit, and we used to feel God's presence, but, but we've become dry. And I believe that you're going to get lit on fire again for the things of God. Amen? So we're going we're gonna to pray for that. And I want you to just, just pray this prayer and just, as you go, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't understand everything. I didn't know exactly how it works. All I said is, Lord, if you want me to have it, then I'll take it. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. And I'm going to pray. So if you want to raise your hands to heaven right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your son Jesus. Lord, and I pray, just like that prayer in Acts chapter 4. I pray that you would help us to speak your word freely and courageously. That we would no longer be in the secret service, but we would be in the special forces of your service. Because you are our king and you are our Lord. 
Lord, I pray that as we would go about and preach, and as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that you would empower us to do signs, wonders, and mighty miracles through our hands. Lord, that we would see many healed, that we would see demons cast out, that we would see people set free. So Lord, I pray right now just for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I pray right now, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to pray in the Spirit, you can do that right now. Maybe for the very first time, out of your belly, you feel the river of living water coming out. Just go ahead and just begin to speak. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be ashamed of it. This is what we need. We need the power of God. We need the power of God to be His witnesses. We need it in the church. We need more. More. More, Lord. More, Lord. More. Be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead. Just begin praying. Begin praying. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Fill. 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 Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 The Bible says that Jesus desires people to worship him in spirit and in truth. And we're just going to sing one more song together. And, and we're going to be filled with the Spirit. And I just want to encourage you. Maybe you've spoken in a prayer language, but you've never sang in the Spirit. And I just want to encourage you to just go ahead and lift up a new song to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb of God. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. If you're hungry for more, move up to the front. Come on, move up to the front. Let's, let's not miss this point. Restaurant will still be open. The Lord wants to fill you. He wants to touch you. He wants to change your life.
He wants to set you ablaze, set you on fire. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Break out of your comfort zone. Thank you, Lord.
praise you and we honor you, Lord. We just raise our hands to heaven. I hereby commission every one of you as missionaries in your neighborhood, in your home, at your workplace, everywhere where your foot will tread, God will give to you. I commission you now with, and I give you, and, and the Lord will send you out with his power to trample on snakes, scorpions, and over all powers of the enemy. And no evil will be able to stand against you for all the days that you live. In Jesus' name, we pray. Go out and be blessed. Hit the mission field. God bless you. Love you.
back to our seat. Now go to your D. Now go to your E. Well, come up here, bro. Just walk on the stage. Yeah, walk on the stage, my dude. Just gotta walk up here, bro. It, it, it. I know it feels weird. How you doing, boss? Good. Ugh. <laughs> Man, the spirit was moving, and I was like, "There's no. I just, we just gotta keep it going." I, I couldn't stop it, and I'm like, "The spirit was moving," and I know we won't wait till time, but right now we can't wait till time's an offering to do it. We just gotta do it. And I don't care if it comes out, we just got to do it. I, I could have kept, kept going. What's up, boss? That's good. 